Welcome to Kingdom Life Embassy. We're so glad you chose to tune in to another power-packed message by Dr. Maxwell Holland. If you are enjoying these podcasts, then connect with him on Facebook at Maxwell Holland. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Daddy, for the awesome season that we are in as a ministry. I thank you, Father God, that it's your desire to direct us and align us with your heaven's plan and purpose today. Father, I pray that even as I speak this morning, Father, that you will speak in and through me, Father God, that the word of God will be made manifest in this house because of your power and because of your kingdom. I thank you that hearts are receptive now to receive what you've said. And that, Father God, this word will come straight from the throne room of heaven to impact our lives, to change us, shape us, and mold us into the sons and daughters that you desire us to be in this kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. We all agree and say, Amen and Amen. So like I said, you've got to work with me this morning. I don't want the quiet space. Just, just more. Amen. So let's just practice. Give me an Amen. There we go. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. So just um, even just dealing with the season for me personally, um, and I, I feel I know for many people, it's been a different season. Um, it's been somewhat, um, I don't want to say, it's not, it's not, what's the right words to use? I don't want to speak the wrong words this morning. I think it's just been calling and causing us to be a bit cautious. I think that um, the way I feel personally, it's like, okay, God, I see this new season. I hear the word. I hear its harvest. I hear your payday. Awesome. But what's the step we need to take? How do we navigate through this moment that you have us in? And then God started to remind me, spoke to me about even when they crossed over from the wilderness into the promised land and how the way that God functioned in the previous season, God no longer functioned like that. His character never changed. Who he was never changed. The fact that he loves us never changed. The fact that he'll provide for them never changed. But the way he did, what he did changed. So where every day they would get manna coming down from heaven, that whole system shifted completely. And was no longer there. The Bible says the day that they partook of the fruit of the land, the manna ceased. One season came to an end and another began. And it was a while ago when the apostle spoke to um, Apostle uh, Romero. And he, he said, look, I'm trying to figure out this. He says, you're in, the sea, you're in the transition of all transitions. And while that is super exciting, Amen. It's super exciting to know we're coming into a season of harvest and we're coming into all that God has got for us. At the same time, it's a bit... I'm trying to get the right word to articulate it properly. But it's like, okay, Lord, so this is the new, but now... Where? Where's this thing? You know what I'm saying? Because you're used to going out every day for manna. So you know that system. And it's almost like just when you think you got it. I got this thing. I know how Jesus works. Uh-huh, I'm in the kingdom. And then there's a change like, okay, now wait, Jesus, wait. Okay, what's happening now? And while you know it's an awesome season, you can't get ahead of yourself and just run wild. 
Amen. There's a scripture in Joshua chapter 3 verse 1 to 4. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan and he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. Say this to your neighbor, for you have not passed this way before. Look to the person next to you, say, you have not passed this way before. So as we're shifting seasons, as we're shifting into what God has ordained for this house for the next 10 years, as apostle has prophesied, the reality is that we need to stay back a little bit so we can see what God is doing. Hear me. It's the responsibility of the priests to catch the movement of where God is moving so that they can lead the people into the place that God has ordained for them. So even as you're dealing with this house being an apostolic house and being Apostle Max shifting even what happened in the last season from pastoral to apostolic. Apostolic are ones that build stuff. That's why he can never go into a place or into a meeting or into a church and say it must stay the same. Never. I've never been with him. Never. They're all astounded at the wisdom and the anointing upon his life and the apostolic understanding and apostolic grace that is upon him. Why? Because when he comes into a place, the gift that God has given him causes him to push the boundaries. To say, no, this is not, this is not big enough. There was another ministry he went to and they, there's two properties and the one is like the property they're in and the other one across the road is like a property. They're sharing whatever. He comes, he stands, he says, no, 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 no. That one, yeah, we want that one. And the pastor's looking and says, no, 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 we're going for that one. I'm trusting God with you for that one. Why? Because they're looking at the movements of God. Where's the next move of God? So what's coming in the next season is not just a season of, you see, when we hear harvest, like I said to you before, we sometimes associate it with an extra outpouring of manna. But God's not functioning that way anymore. You've got to know when God says there's a season coming, He's saying there's an apostolic movement coming. So we need to stay behind and see what the movement is about. Are you with me? We've got to see where God is going. What is God saying? The Bible says the word of God will establish you, but the word of the prophet will cause you to prosper. That means locked up in the mouth of your prophet is the prosperity for your life and not an outpouring of manna. It's the territory. The space that God has ordained for you to have dominion over when He's called you into your inheritance. Inheritance is not God throwing something from the sky, but God giving you a peace in the earth for you to dominate as a king. So in the season, God is saying, just slow down. Yes, it's harvest. No, I look, Jay, you're running to the next place. Where's the harvest? No, 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 slow down. 
stay 2,000 cubits behind the movement. So you can see what's taking place. And you can see what God is doing. Why would Pastor Z even minister a word on family last week? God's knitting together the family in the household of faith. Because in the, in the, in the promised land, one getting it is not good enough. Hear me. One getting it is not good enough. One family receiving breakthrough is not good enough. All of us should be going in and receiving all that God has got for us. That's why in the season you need to be praying for your brother and your sister. You need to be lifting them up in prayer because their breakthrough is your breakthrough. Their overcoming is your overcoming. Their victory is your victory. No longer are you standing waiting for me and my peace and my house. No, 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 no. My brother, where are you at? We touch and agree for breakthrough upon your business, upon your home. That God will pour out what He promised to pour out upon you and your family so that you can walk in the blessing and the favor of God. So when God releases a word like that concerning family, He's knitting together. He's knitting us together to say, everybody is going in. Last week was a manifestation and a release of the key for family over apostasy. It was an announcement of the grace upon our life. You see, because in an apostolic grace, both sons, an apostolic grace is a, it deals with sonship. And we've always been about sonship. It's become clear now that you understand who we are. But sonship has always been vital to this ministry. But it's part of the grace, the DNA. Of an apostolic house. That's why God will release a word like that. To say it's family time. It's family time. Next week with the pastor's appreciation. We're not coming to appreciate our pastor. Or our apostle. We're coming to love on our dad. Why? It's an apostolic grace raises sons. Are you with me? So in the season. And that's why I said we're going to pray now. Because now that you have understanding of their role in our lives and what God is doing in the season, your prayer needs to change. That God will deliver unto them the clarity, the grace, the anointing of God for the next movement in the kingdom in the earth. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We come to speak life and blessing upon Apostle Max and Pastor Z. Your children, your son and daughter whom you've graced for this very hour in the earth, oh God. We know that you've called them for a time such as this. And so, Father God, our prayers that you preserve and protect them. Keep them in the palm of your hand. Give them the download in this season that they need, oh God, in order to move where you're moving. So like the priests that carried the presence, we as the assembly and the congregation can see where you move and move accordingly. Our desire for the season, Father God, is that we can fulfill kingdom purpose as a church, that everybody will be positioned correctly and they'll be released into the inheritance that you've assigned to them. So we pray blessing, favor, increase, anointing, and grace upon our apostle and our pastor this day. And decree and declare that they're coming back with clarity of which way to go and what to do. 
Keep them, Father God. Keep their family, Lord God. Minister to them profoundly in the season. That the revelation that they receive can be released into the world for your kingdom to be established and advanced. In Jesus' name, we all agree and say, Amen and Amen. So this morning, I believe my assignment, if you go back to Joshua chapter 3 verse 2, this is my assignment this morning. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. Next one. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the Lord, this morning I come as an officer through the camp to tell you to make preparations for the movement that is coming. The word that I'm giving you this morning is a word to prepare us as a church for the movement that is coming. Tell your neighbor, look at them, say, oh, you're ready. Look at the next one, say, you better get ready. Because God is busy. Amen. Hallelujah. Go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth, and not mankind. Amen. You don't have dominion, the right to have dominion over somebody else. Amen. So the image is the exact duplicate of kind. We are made just like God. This was the spirit man species that God was making at this point in time. And so when we deal with man, we're dealing with the species and not the gender. Amen. Because he said both male and female. Like a fish is a species, you get a male and a female fish. Are you with me? So man was spirit man made in the image. That means in the spiritual realm looking exactly like God. An exact duplicate of kind. He says, with the likeness, that means the ability to function like God wherever God positions us. So the way God created, we can create. The way God functioned, we can function. Why? Hear me. This was birthed out of His love for you and I. But the Bible says that God is, not that He has love or possesses love, but the fact is that He's made up of love. So He is love. He's the full expression of love. And love needs to share. Are you with me? Love is a giver. So that's why he was sitting in heaven in his throne, in his kingdom. And he says, you know what? It's not good enough. But I want a family that I'm going to birth out of love. And I'm going to create them to be just like me. To carry the same DNA as God. The same DNA. He says they're going to be my children in the earth. But he didn't stop there. In verse 28, it says, let them have dominion. That word in the Hebrew is rada, which means to rule or to have sovereignty over. That means, he says, I'm going to make them like me, look like me, be like me, have the ability to function like me, but I'm going to give them a terrain. I'm going to give them this place called earth that they're going to have the ability to rule over and dominate as kings in the earth. Are you with me? title of the sermon if you want it is the kingdom of kings 
kingdom of kings. He says, I'm going to make kings, small k, to function in the earth, to have dominion over the earth. I'm going to design it to look like me and to have the ability and the potential to function like me, but they're also going to have a kingdom just like me that they can extend where I am into the earth. The same system of governance that God used in heaven is the same system of governance that he gave Adam in the earth. So when you go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That means God now, he makes in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, the man in the spirit, amen, comes to earth, he says he needs a suit, a body to function in, in order to, to, to operate in this climate, in this terrain. He says, okay, from the dust, he makes a man, and then he, Breathes into him what he made in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. And the Bible says now man becomes a living being. Genesis chapter 2 verse 8 to 15. It says, then the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he formed. And out of the ground the Lord made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out from Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four rivers. The name of the first is that name. It was on one on the skirts of the whole land of Avila, not Avena, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. That thing and onyx stone are there. The name of the, the second name of the river is Gion, and it is the one which goes around the whole land. So now he's speaking about all these things that's happening in this place. This place, the Garden of Eden, is a place of voluptuous living. It's a place of abundance. It's a place of delight. It's a place of absolute prosperity. And the reason why it was so was because that was where heaven met earth in the earth. It was the place where the kingdom of God was established over that portion of terrain on the earth. That means the system of governance functioning in and over that portion of land in the earth was the kingdom of God. Hear me? And wherever the kingdom of God goes, it draws out the wealth of a place. God said this space, the Eden, is the best place for this man to live in. That was the perfected conditions for mankind, his new creation to live in. A place, um, they never had mining equipment or mines. I didn't know there was gold there. I didn't know the gold was good. I didn't know there was onyx stone. It was on the surface. Where did the water come from? The Bible says that there was no rain on the land, yet there was just a midst of dew that was on the, on the surface of the land to make sure the land was sorted. Where did the water come from? It drew the water out from within the earth. So wherever the kingdom of God goes, it's a place where heaven is made manifest. And wherever heaven is made manifest, the results of Eden are made manifest. So God says, this is the place where this man must live. He will rule, have dominion, and wherever he goes, because God says, you must work this place. And then this, what's his mandate? Be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion. Subdue the earth. Take this kingdom as an administrator of this government system and make it around the whole earth. God's plan was that the entire earth would be like Eden. Can you imagine how rich Africa would have been with all the diamonds on the surface? How easy would an engagement be? 
<laughs> Go take your pick. But because of what Adam does, his high treason in the Garden of Eden, where he listens to an alien spirit over the Spirit of God, and he commits high treason, he gives over what God gave him legally. And he says, the keys to this place are now hand over to Satan himself. I'm choosing to submit myself to this spirit and no longer my father who made me. And from that moment on, everything changed. Amen. Man never fell at that point from heaven because we were never designed for heaven. We were designed for this place to have dominion here. Are you with me? So we weren't designed. You can't say you, you fell from heaven. You were never there. Are you with me? We were designed to be kings in the earth. To rule and reign like our daddy does in the heavens. He handed all responsibility over to Satan. He handed everything over. He says, you can now do with this as you please. Basically, that's what he did. He handed over the management contract of the earth and said, you now take it and do what you want to do. And what did Satan do? He immediately established kingdoms. Boom. He established the world and its system. And what he did was now where man would thrive and where man would walk in the blessing and where man would experience breakthrough and prosperity and peace and protection, where man was designed to thrive in this place, now man had to strive for survival. So where the diamond should have been on top, they're now deep in the ground. Everything in the earth now comes with the toil. That's why weeds grow quicker. Amen. Weeds go quick, quicker. It's easier for the wrong to happen than for the right to happen. It takes more effort to keep your garden the way that it should. Why? Because the systems that were governing things changed. In Matthew 4 verse 8 to 9, it says, When Jesus being tempted by the devil, the devil took him up an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. He wasn't making it up. It was true. The kingdoms he had established, arts, entertainment, media, politics, and government. Are you with me? Everything he established over the earth in the incorrect way, in the perverse manner, he set over the people to keep them bound, to never be productive, to never be fruitful, to never multiply, to never subdue the earth, and to never have dominion. It was in the garden where God said, where are you? Did God not know where he was? He's an all-knowing God. He's an ever-present God. How could he ask that question? Why? Because he fell from his position of kingship. God said, basically, why are you out of position from where I originally established you? So things changed from this moment. The enemy had legal right to infiltrate and affect the earth the way that he wanted to. The Bible says the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. Every system that the enemy sets up is to take from you, it's to kill you, and it's to destroy everything about you. God makes a promise. He says there's a seed, capital S, that's going to come. That's going to change things around. There's a seed that's going to come. I'm going to release a seed in the earth to restore and redeem
and put back everything the way that it was supposed to be according to my intention and my original design. And so as you follow through the Old Testament, you're following the seed. Are you with me? Noah, Abraham, Jesse, David. And eventually it comes up to the place of where Mary gives birth to the Messiah. Jesus comes onto the scene as the Son of Man. Comes onto the scene. Gets crucified on the cross. Takes every sin. Sin in itself. And puts it in his body. Receives the punishment for that sin. Is crucified. Goes to hell. In hell, the Bible says he stripped the enemy. He made a public spectacle of the devil. He humiliated him. He embarrassed him before every principality and power. He made him nothing. In the sight of every spirit, every angel, God himself, and every demonic principality and power. He made him look like nothing. He embarrassed him totally. The reference that it comes from in terms of, the, of, of what they're trying to say is that in, back in those days when they used to go to war and they used to take over another kingdom, they used to bring the people stripped down and naked, the king and his people, and they would parade them through the city. That's what they did to the enemy. That's how he shamed him on that day. He stripped him from every authority, power, and right that he could ever have in this earth. And he took the keys and he said, no longer is it with you, but it's back in the kingdom. It's back with man. That's why he didn't tell the people, he didn't say, I'm the son of God. He said, I'm the son of man. He had to do it as the last Adam. The first Adam messed up, the last Adam fixed it. He takes back the keys and he comes back and he says, now all authority and power I give unto you. Here's the thing. Most times the church only deals with the crucifixion and the sin. Which is not incorrect, but incomplete. You see, the problem is if you stay at the cross and the fact that it dealt with your sin, you'll be dealing with the fact that you are, that you are no longer a sinner for the rest of your days and you'll be struggling with your acts of sin. Because your focus will be sin. But if you realize that what he came to do was actually strip the enemy of his power, to redeem us and restore us back to the original intention of mankind that God had for us in the earth, then it changes things. Because the one is when He came to save me and He took all my sin away, He made me like God again. He brought back the image and the likeness inside of mankind in order for us to look like and function like Him. That's what the Bible says. God says, I'm going to cut a new covenant that I will remember your sin no more. How can he remember your son no more by the fact that he only sees the Christ in you? He don't see the old Brian. He don't see the Brampy. Are you with me? He only sees the Christ on the inside of me. Why? Because I look like my daddy now. Because the blood of Jesus has cleansed me. It's made me brand new. It's dealt with my past, my present, and my future. He's made me to look like him. And hear me, and I have the ability to function like Him. But it didn't stop there. He gave back dominion. He gave back dominion. Hear me, He gave us back the keys. He gave us back the kingdom. 
That's why when Jesus came to the earth, he never preached salvation. That's a pause for dramatic effect. He never preached salvation. What was his message? Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. It says, from that time, who? Okay, they're not with us. From that time, who? Say it louder. Say it louder. Began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, change your mind, change the way you're looking at life, change the way you come to church. Change from a religious, traditional mindset. He was dealing with the Jewish people at that. Change the way you're seeing this thing. It's not about the things that you're doing and the traditions that you're holding to say that you are holy. He said, no, don't function like that anymore. Break the paradigm. Break the mindset. Stop functioning out of religion and deal with you so you can change the way you're seeing this thing because if you're going to come for religion, you're making my death minor. It says change the way you're seeing this thing. The Bible says that the traditions made the word of God of no effect. You see, you can come to church every Sunday and unless you deal with the repentance of mind, to say, I'm going to turn the way I've been functioning. I'm going to move the way God wants me to move. You're never going to experience the victory that He has for you. Because you see, the devil don't even mind if you have a religion. He don't even mind if you call yourself a Christian. If you lack the understanding, you've got nothing against Him. You see, some people have been saved, but they never switch systems. He says, leave your traditions and your religious mindsets and come into the kingdom. Because what I've come for is far greater than what you're seeing right now. What I've come for is to establish you back as kings and as children of the Most High God. That wherever you go, you're going to have dominion wherever you walk. That the earth is yours. I'm giving it to you to manage and set the kingdom over. Acts chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 in the Amplified says, In the form account, which I prepared, O Theophilus, I made a continuous report dealing with all things which Jesus began to do and teach until the day He ascended after the Holy Spirit had instructed and commanded the apostles, special messengers, whom He had chosen. To them also He showed Himself alive after His passion, suffering in the garden and on the cross by a series of many convincing demonstrations unquestionable evidences and infallible proofs appearing to them for how long? appearing to them for how long? and talking to them about what? the kingdom this is after his death and resurrection he's coming back to spend time with the twelve to prepare them for what's to come and what does he minister to them? what does he minister to them? the kingdom why? because that's what God came to restore are you with me? That's what God came to restore. He came to restore the kingdom of God in their lives. Why? So that when I live under this administration, when I live under this government, the Eden is produced in every area of my life. Your position is restored in Christ. And your mandate is restored in Christ. 
it doesn't only end with your positioning. It doesn't only end with you being saved. It doesn't only end with you knowing that you are in Christ, in God, and God is in you. It doesn't only end with you knowing that He's your loving Father. He'll take care of you and He'll love upon you. No, there's a mandate upon your life. There's a way for you to go into. And that's why you need to be sensitive in the season to the movement that God is creating. Because the movement is going to bring you into your mandate. The movement is going to bring you into your mandate. And if you miss the movement and you miss the moment, you can miss your mandate. We didn't get saved to have a religious experience. In the kingdom, in the beginning, there was no church. Oh, that religious fears, I bind you. There was no church. There was no need for it. There was no need for it. It had to be reestablished because of what happened to mankind. John chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. This is the only time we gave record of Jesus preaching about salvation and being born again. Or being born again, rather. He says, now there was a certain man among the Pharisees named Nicodemus. This means this guy was, was, was educated in religion. He knew the Bible, as you know it. Not, not the new, he knew the old. He knew the prophets, he knew the Torah, he knew the Quran, he knew chronicles, he knew the word of God. He knew everything. He saw all the prophetic declarations of the Messiah that was to come. How he was to come. In Matthew, if you read the book of Matthew, over and over it says, this was done so that scripture may be fulfilled. How many of you knew that scripture, saw him doing it, and did not agree that he was fulfilling it? Why? Because they didn't want the kingdom to come. They wanted religion to stay. Because religion can keep people bound. I can manipulate you in religion, but I cannot do it in the kingdom. So even for everybody sitting under the sound of my voice, when you're dealing with a message concerning the kingdom and going into territories, you must deal with the religious spirit that wants to keep you bound. Because that thing will fight to keep you. Why? Because you feed his system. If he has to let you go, the power that you had that you gave to him is no longer with you. So he'll fight you on every level to stop you from moving into what God has got for you. Verse 2 says, who came to Jesus at night. Why? He was bang. He was scared. He didn't want them to persecute him. He says, he came to night. He says, Rabbi, we know and are certain that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs, these wonder works, these miracles, and produce of proofs that you do unless God is with you. Jesus answered and said, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, unless a person is born again, he cannot see, know, be acquainted with and experience the kingdom of God. He says, I can see the demonstration of the kingdom in your life. I can see it taking place. He says, but how? He says, the only way to get it is to be born again. So your born again experience, you don't throw salvation out the window. No, you need to be saved. Amen. You need to be saved. You and I, we both need to be saved. We need, we need our bodies to be regenerated, our spirits to be reconnected to God. But the purpose of it is so that we can function in the earth and reclaim the mandate that God had established. You see, you, you don't need to be preaching Jesus if you live in kingdom. If you must continuously tell people about Jesus, it means that they can't see the kingdom of God in you. Because he never told them about born again when he was preaching initially. Otherwise, Nicodemus would have known. Nicodemus just saw the infallible proofs of the kingdom and said, hey, there's something happening here, man, by this guy. And even though he was scared, he still came. 
Even though he came at night, he said, listen, I see these things upon your life. Tell me how do I get there. Now's your opportunity to tell them about your king. You see, we know why we worship him. We worship him because he brought us in. He was willing to pay the price. He was willing to have himself killed, mutilated and murdered so that we could come into the kingdom. So we know why we worship our king. I don't need to tell the rest of the world. As family, we know. But for the world, they need to see. The Bible says the kingdom does not come by word or deed, but it comes with power. There's many religions. We don't have to compete with religions. We don't. We just have to live kingdom. Because when they see the kingdom, religion falls away. God restores the kingdom through the finished work of Jesus. Number one, you have a king. The kingdom exemplifies the king. It displays his characteristics, his love, his grace, his mercy. He is your father, not just your king. The word of God says, he says it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. His good pleasure. When you serve in this kingdom, the king is your father. Number two is you have a kingdom. You are no longer under the sway of the enemy and his world system. There's a different system that you can function by. You need to shift from the one to the other. This kingdom produces Eden's results wherever you go. Things must change. Things must change. Things must shift. Hear me. When you go into a place as a mini king, as a child of the Most High God, that place must bow. Every demonic spirit, everything that's opposing the will of God for your life, it must bow. We had a meeting this week with somebody and um, for some business deal that you're busy with. And I don't know the person. Somebody introduced us. We're going into the meeting and they say they're only giving you 30 minutes. As we're praying in the car, Aaron and myself, we're saying, Father, I thank you that you've given us this mountain. As kings, we come to take dominion over where you've set us forth. When I come into this place, and it's a massive place, the company is global. I say, when I come into this place, every spirit that opposes your spirit must bow. This person, when I present to this person, they're going to love what we have to say. They're going to eat it up. It's going to be like honey on our lips that they cannot stop us and they're just going to want to hear more. They're going to agree. They're going to say yes when they even think they're going to say no. We went into the meeting. The person that I was with said, this person puts on a poker face and if she don't like someone after 20 minutes, she's going make like she have a WhatsApp or a SMS and sorry, I have to leave now. We had 30 minutes. We left there after an hour. She says, I love this thing. I'm going to open this door for you. I'm going to open this door for you. Why? What is it? I didn't go in there. Oh, the blood. You need to listen to me now, woman, because Jesus sent me here to you. No, I came in there as a king's kid. Knowing that as I put my feet in this place, every place the sole of the feet has tread. That which you have given unto me, there's an anointing for dominion upon me. That when I walk in this place, you cannot deny me access for the king has said I can come in here. Hallelujah. Hear me. Why is it so powerful that you pray in the name of Jesus? Because you come with an order from the king. No, 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 no I'm not coming as me. The king sent me here. You are now a citizen. God classifies you as a kingdom citizen and not a Christian. You have to shift your perspective. 
You're a kingdom citizen. I'm a child of the Most High God. Don't label me as a religious name. That name God never even gave me. Somebody else put that name in there. No, I'm a kingdom citizen. I'm a child of the Most High God. When I come in here, I walk in the dominion and the power that Daddy gave me. Daddy, Daddy, do you want, you want me to take over here? Is this the place? You want your kingdom to extend in this place? Then every resource, everything that I need, everything that I need to get in this place and make it happen, He has to give me in order for His kingdom to expand. Because it's not my agenda no more. It's the King's agenda. That's why we need a movement. Are you with me? We need to know where God is moving so we can move. When I move, you move. Oh, that's the next generation right there. So, you need to know where God is moving. You don't move yourself. That's why when the angel of the Lord came to Joshua and he says to him, he says, listen here, man. Joshua says, are you for us or are you against us? Are you here to do what we want to do? Are you here for the enemy and to do what they want to do? He says, for neither. Why? I'm on a kingdom assignment. So you align with me. I don't align with you. So wherever daddy wants to send you, you go. And wherever he sends you, every provision, everything that you need, every angelic assistance, every power, everything you need to fulfill that thing, God will make sure it comes to pass. Why? Because you're moving where he's moving. That's why even in praise yesterday we said, not my will, but your will be done. To align with the movement that God has got in the season, you've got to lay down you. You're a citizen. The Bible says that your name is written in the land's book of life. When you go to a home affairs and you register your child, it's written in South Africa's book of their own life. But when you get born again, it's written in heaven. You're on the registry to say you're a citizen of this kingdom. It's your ID. You have the right to function in this place. You have a constitution. You have rights and privileges and benefits that this kingdom will provide. There's health benefits according to Isaiah 53 verse 5. That by his stripes I was made whole. Amen. There's economic benefits that says every day I'm blessed even more and more. I seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto me. We've got the best economy, the best healthcare in the world. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you say. But in my kingdom, healing is my portion. Prosperity is my portion. we got the best defense. we got the best military. We've got angelic hosts looking out for us and ensuring that we come into our highest in Jesus' name. There's nothing like this kingdom. Hear me. Our management in our kingdom is so great that they never increase the tax. It's been 10% all along. They don't mismanage the funds. They didn't have a meeting in heaven and give a down and say, listen here, I don't know what they spent on media and advertising up there, but next year it's going to be 12%. There's no mismanagement. The system is clear. Are you with me? If you refuse to pay your tithe, you refuse the economy. That was a side note. You see, as a citizen, you qualify for protection, for peace, for property and lands. Whatever is in the kingdom, God is assigned to his subjects. So where does the church fit in? You ask very good questions. 
Go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 16 to 20 in the, in the Passion Translation. About five minutes. Thank you, Jesus. I'll be there. Verse 16. Oh, I started earlier. We'll start there. Simon Peter spoke up and said, You are the anointed one, the son of the living God. So this is in private. He never told people this publicly. Publicly he preached the kingdom. In private he taught them about who he was. He says, Jesus replied, You are our favorite and privileged Simon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own, but my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I will give you the name Peter, a stone, and this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will lay my church. Listen. My church, what does it say? No, go back one verse. 18. I want the, do you have the Passion Translation? No. Okay. Listen to the Passion Translation. It says, I will give you the keys of heaven's, no, no, sorry. It says, and the truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation of my building my church, my legislative assembly. And the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys of king. Uh, put that in the Amplified, verse 19. Put verse 19 in the Amplified. It says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom realm. And to, it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, declare to be improper and unlawful, on earth must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you lose, declare lawful on us. Stay there, guys. Lawful on the earth must, and don't move, must be already what is loosed in heaven. It says, whatever is this, the law of the kingdom, when you legislate, you legislate according to the laws that's already established. You don't make your own stuff up. So if you don't know your constitution, then you can't go to the court and legislate. Hear me, when he says, the word church, he says, I will build my church, it's the ecclesia. And the ecclesia in those times in Greek, what it meant was, it spoke of men that were of age to vote and legislate according to their citizenship. According to the citizenship, when you come here, you didn't come to church. You came to the ecclesia. We came together. We came together. Hear me. We are legislating. This is parliament taking right, place right here now. This is parliament. And I'm going to go to church. Then you ain't legislating next. It's not about a good word on a Sunday. It's not about I want to make a message that makes me feel nice. No, it's about us coming together, getting a download from heaven to find out what is on the agenda of the king and his kingdom for the season. And whatever he's saying it is, we're coming into agreement as a legislative assembly and we've come to decree and declare that which heaven says healing and wholeness and prosperity and breakthrough is your portion. Why? I loose it upon your life because it's already loosed in the kingdom. I bind every spirit that opposes you and the will of God for your life. Every demonic spirit brought to hinder, delay the purposes of God inside of you. I bind you. Why? Because you're already bound according to the laws of the kingdom of God. Amen. That's why this is the most powerful institution in the world. Because we are kings assigned to have dominion. We are kingdom citizens on assignment.
That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Not to sweep and be an usher. What do you call the person that heads up defense in the government? The minister of defense. Over the ministry of defense. The minister of education. Over the ministry of education. So it's not about you being an usher. You an usher in the house because you are son to take care of your own house. If other people come visit your house, you don't deliver dirty. No. So if you're serving in this house, it's not because of anything special. It's because you're taking responsibility as a son. If somebody must tell you to serve, then you must question whether you're walking in sonship. So when you're coming into the house of God, the fact that you ush, the fact that you count, the fact that you serve at the back, the fact you do whatever, you're doing it because it's your house. Go clean up your room. Are you with me? It's our responsibility. We make sure the pool is clean when you must do baptism. Why? It's our house. I didn't train you for that. In this house, we're training you for the ministry that God has got for you. If it's education, if it's media, if it's arts and entertainment, if it's government and politics, hear me. It's to take territory. You cannot have dominion with no territory. You have to go to the place assigned to you by God. That's why when we walked into arts and entertainment and to media, when we walked into the companies, I have every right to declare. Why? Because the word of the prophet was prophesied over her life to say he gave you the keys. I say wherever I'm opening doors here, you cannot deny me access. Why? Because my king gave it. My king said, I got the master key for this area. That's why you have to stay behind the movement. What's Apostle Max saying in the season? He needs a downer. Why? Stay 2,000 cubits behind. Where are you saying we're going next? We're going here. Okay, we're following. Why? Because the territory is coming. Are you with me? Jesus. I'm going to end with this. I have to end with this. I've got four minutes. It says Isaiah verse 9 verse 6. You see, the kingdom... It says that the Ecclesia and those that were assembled were people of age. That speaks of maturity. We need to grow up. Oh, little. We need to grow up. I need a bigger amen. We need to grow up. We need to mature. It says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given. I went to look up that word given in the Hebrew. One of the translations says, A son is appointed. He says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called on for counsel. The government, the kingdom only sits on shoulders of sons, not children. They cannot bear the burden of the kingdom because children want what they want when they want it. Son says, I don't need it unless you say I must have it. Because my agenda is your agenda. Your priority is my priority. Your kingdom is what my eye must be doing in the earth. So I don't care about my stuff. You see, when you hear about harvest and you hear about promise land, many people associated with things. Things are a byproduct of the place. But you must first get there. So don't chase the things. Chase the purpose. What's my assignment in the season? As I focus on my assignment, the things will come. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things shall be taken together and added unto you. You see, business deals, you don't have to chase no more. They must chase you. 
Come on. When it's your territory, they must come to you. They must sit to your feet and say, I need to do this thing with you. Why? It must be added. Because I'm on the king's agenda. Are you with me this morning? Galatians chapter 4 verse 1, it says, Now I mean as long as the heir is the inheritor, the heir is a child and underage, it differs nothing from a slave, although he's master of all the estate. But he's under guardians and administrators or trustees until the date fixed or appointed by his father. God appoints your season when you step into sonship. God appoints your season when you step into sonship. Sonship is a maturity. Sonship says, I let go of religion. I let go of my mindset to accept what God is saying in the season. You see, some people will refuse the truth of the word of God because they don't want to accept it because the opinion is based in religion. So even when we have a pastor's appreciation and it's time to sow, even though the word of God says so, people still oppose it. Quiet, you see, it's religion. Every time you speak about tithing, why does it go quiet? Why? It's a religious system that's trying to oppose you from getting into what the kingdom has for you. And if we don't tell the truth, if we don't act as sons and get up and say, this constitution, I don't even have a Bible, but it's on my phone, it's on my computer. This constitution is the only way I live. Because if you violate the constitution, you don't get the benefits of the constitution. You see, as a tither, I can go before the courts in the kingdom and say, according to the constitution, when I bring a tent into the storehouse, your word says that the blessing, the windows of window open up above me and pour such a blessing upon me that I won't have room enough to store it. Now the devil here is stopping that from taking place illegally. My legal right is an open heaven. My legal right is that the devourer will be rebuked for my sake. My legal right is that I can walk. Are you understanding me? I have legal right because my constitution says so. So as a son, we need to grow up in this house. You cannot claim to be a, a son of God the Father when you ignore the institution of fathers and sons within the ecclesia. Because if it wasn't supposed to be so, then Paul could not have mentioned it. If it's in the constitution, hear me, you cannot work against it. If you do, it means you're choosing your tradition, your opinion, and your religious mindset over the word of God. And you're making that very constitution of null effect in your life. So you can't say, I can't, there's no such thing as spiritual fathers, then you're going against the constitution. If there's no natural manifestation of your sonship, then you can't claim to be a spiritual son. You see, and in the house, God gave me this years ago. He says, you, he don't make you a son. Remember when Pastor Romero was here? He says, you don't make, fathers don't make sons, sons make fathers. That's why when you come into a ministry, I'm just helping you. This is besides the point. Don't be so quick to say, my father. Let God speak to you. And let God establish that thing in your heart. Because the day you say, father, is the day you put the weight of the vision on your shoulders. Because when Abraham had to go up the mountain, he says, where's the sacrifice? The wood we have and stuff. Where was the wood? He was carrying it. He was carrying the weight of the obedience of his father. So his father could go up the mountain and do what God told him to do. But who carried the weight? The son. That's what God is doing in the season. The, the, the vision, the, the strategy is let us build us. It's a season of building. It's not a season of breaking down. It's a season of building, establishing what God has called us to establish. But it comes through sons and daughters of the Most High God. Hear me? And as God makes you his son, he gives you a house.
for you to have a father. So that the grace that is on this house must come upon your life. But it doesn't come if you don't align. Are you with me? That's why I remain 2,000 cubits behind. Watch where it's going. So that when it moves, you move. Don't make your own movements. Hear me? Don't make your own movements. God is moving. God is moving. God is moving. He will establish the movement. He will set it in place. So that when you get in on that movement, it's like a surfer catching a wave. You ride on what's already been created. You don't have to make anything yourself. Are you with me this morning? This word, I believe, is to prepare each and every one of us for what's to come. That the next release I'm declaring, that Apostle Max is going to release over this house, is going to be to his establishment of the movement of God and the kingdom of God in the earth for his glory and for his kingdom. In Jesus' name.